Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. God bless you. I'm going to go ahead and let you be seated. How many believe the Eagles is going to win the Super Bowl? How many believe Kansas City Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl? All right. For the rest of you, how many don't care? <clears throat> I started to have a I don't give a Super Bowl party at the house today. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I know that's a big deal for a lot of, a lot of folks. Um, you know, the Lord loves you guys so much, and, and it's my privilege to try to be an instrument to convey that to you uh, in a lot of ways. A lot of, and, and, and if you come here, you know, sometimes on Saturday nights I'll have a dream and a vision, and a lot of times it's just God's heart trying to, I guess, communicate me in a way of how much he uh, loves you. And last night was not an ex exception to that. It, uh, one thing I love it, uh, this is going to sound weird, but at Christmas, I, I'm always the one that gives out the presents, no matter who has bought them, and put them under our tree when all our family gathers together, and everybody has a seat, and all the grandkids have a seat. And then I go to the tree and get the presents out from under it, and I carry them to them, to everybody. And that's just a thrill of mine, and I'll say, well, this one's from your Aunt Kristen, or this one's from Uncle John, or this one's from Uncle Justin, or this one's from Mimi and Poppy, or whatever. And, uh, and I love to see their faces, uh, not only receiving them, but opening them, and, and you know, seeing what's, what it is. Well, last night, uh, you know, God's got all kinds of ways of communicating. I just saw uh, that played out in a vision, dream, whatever you want to call it. And I was going to the tree, but the tree was the cross. And, and, and there were gifts with your names on it. And, uh, and I had the privilege of just going and giving out those gifts. You know, the Bible talks about those gifts, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're not anything we earn. It's not, it's not, if you earn it or, or achieve it, it's not a gift. If it's a gift, it doesn't cost you anything. And if it's a gift that God gives, he never, he, all his gifts are, are irrevocable. That means he never takes them back. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you. That, that God has those gifts with your names on them. I saw uh, many of your names on them. And I saw some of them are extremely practical. Uh, I saw a person uh, that's uh, really struggling over uh, just an aspect of, of needing an, an automobile and getting that automobile. And uh, maybe a new one, maybe maybe the one year, I don't know. God didn't show me all the uh, details, but. But if you're, if you're needing an automobile, I don't, you know, God cares about that stuff. Uh, he, the hairs of your head are numbered, not counted. They're numbered. That's a big difference. Uh, and, and, and it's just God's way of communicating how detailed, minute, you don't even know yourself that well as God does. And if, he, if you care about it, he cares about it. So uh, if you're dealing, you know, say, well, you know, I'm, and I don't care what the issue is of why, you know, it's a struggle. Uh, but just know that's going to happen for you. Amen? Uh, I saw another person that's, uh, you know, in a, you're $500 short a month on what you need to be in a home, to be in a different home, a better home. $500. And to you, that seems like such an astronomical uh, amount at this time. And you don't see how. But I want to tell you, I saw God last night making that happen and providing. He's a provider. And, and God cares about the practical things as well as the spiritual things. 
in your life. If you're here and either one of those things witnesses with you, just throw your hand up and back down. And I, God bless you. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Just put your hand. God bless you. All right. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm just gonna pray over. And I saw many other things. I, I can't take up all my time today naming all the things that in my dreams. Sometimes the dreams just you wake up almost tired from dreaming that much stuff. But it's just God's heart communicating that He has gifts for His children, and that's called grace. That's what grace is, charisma, gifts uh, of the Lord. And just to remind you again that he cares about practical things, things you wouldn't even think that he would be concerned about. I told you one time I went to, we were in, a, we were in the mall, and it, listen, many years ago I was in the mall in Atlanta with my wife, and we were there for Christmas, you know, for Christmas with the kids, and, and we give them their money that we've saved all year, and it's a joy to watch them go and spend it. And then they have to turn all the presents back into my wife, and then she wraps them. And then on Christmas, they get to open the presents that they picked out. That's how it works at our house. And uh, so they don't get to keep them. They don't get to take them home. And, so, and, and we still do that. And, uh, but many years ago, you know, while they're doing, going to all their specific uh, stores, I went to, like, uh, the nerd store. No, it's uh, like a, a discovery store or something like that. And I've always been fascinated with, with a lot of things. And, and uh, the heavens are one. The natural heavens, and and uh, even when I was a little kid, I had a little small telescope, and I remember when I was a little kid, they were landing on the moon, you know, and I went outside to try to watch it, and uh, of course, I wasn't able to, and was frustrated, you know, but that little 40-power telescope I had, I don't think it was going to make it, but as a kid, you don't understand that, you know, you're 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, but so I went in this store and I saw one like I'd always wanted, you know, it had the electrical controls and you could mash buttons and it would, it would go to what you're looking for, Saturn or whatever you're looking for. And so it's pretty expensive. And I forget exactly, I mean, it's, you know, it's hundreds of several hundred dollars. And, uh, and so I actually got so enthused about it that I took it off the shelf and I was walking around the store holding it. And I'm, and I told, I said, I'm getting this. And, you know, and she, you know, she's like, really? I mean, there's so many other things we need worse to spend that kind of money on than a telescope, you know? And she was like, you know, think about it. You know how you women are gifted at that. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, logic took over, and I said, you, you're right. I mean, we don't need to dump this kind of money on a telescope me out in the backyard, you know? There's other things we need, you know, worse than this. And so I wasn't upset or anything like that. I wasn't even sad. I just went and put it back on the shelf, and we went on with it. And I didn't think any more about it. In a few weeks, uh, I don't exactly the time frame, a few weeks later, um, after church, some of our intercessors, I'll just call them out, uh, said, can we meet with you, Pastor, after the service today for a few minutes? And I said, sure. And after service, they, they, uh, everybody's left. We dismissed service. And these, uh, these praying women of our church, we'll say it that way, they came and they had a, a present, a gift wrap, and they said, we want to give you this. And uh, I said, well, you know, and it wasn't no occasion or anything, wasn't, uh, and I said, uh, well, thank you, you know, and they said, no, we want you to open it right now in our presence. And I said, okay. And so I opened it up, and I'm telling you, it was that exact same telescope that I had walked around the store holding in my hand. And I want to say to you that they had no knowledge, no knowledge whatsoever We'll say no natural knowledge. Jill sure didn't call and tell them, hey, well, I want you to buy my husband. I mean, you couldn't even pay her to do something like that. Uh, you know, 
and, and hear these people. And I was so blown away with that. And, and, uh, and that, that number one, that they would spend that kind of money on me. And number two, that that's the exact model that I walked around in the store holding in my arms and put it back on the shelf. But there was somebody watching that sometimes we forget about, and that's your Heavenly Father, who doesn't just give you what you need, but He gives you the desires of your heart. And now God said a lot to me, and I can make the whole sermon about that, but that unfolded a revelation of the Father that I had not at that point had up to that point. And, and, and I had been raised on God will meet your needs, but He won't do your wants. And, that, you know, where's the verse on that? Uh, there's no verse on that at all. God is the God of more than enough, not just enough, not get by God. They sung about it today, El, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, that's the God of more than enough. When he fed those with the thousands with the fish and chips, they, he took up fragments, he took up basketfuls. Why? Because he's, he's showing them something. Didn't God know? I mean, couldn't God just fill everybody and everybody get full and have no, no leftovers? Why leftovers? Because he's showing you something. There's, a, there's always something God's communicating to us, even in the miracles. And God was communicating to me that, and one thing he told me, that prayers you don't even pray, I hear. Prayers you don't even pray, I hear. And, 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 and God was showing me something, and it was ironic and symbolic that it was a telescope which enables you to see what you can't see with your natural eyes. Amen? And so those natural things, whether it's the house, the rent, car, healing in your body, whatever. I felt I'd be so wrong to just act like that didn't happen last night. And it's just God saying to you, ask. Ask. Whatever. whatever don't, don't spiritualize. Listen, and I, this, we'll talk about this whole thing another Sunday. God has no desire to enter into a non-human relationship with you. Now, you need to hear that. I'm going to say it again. God has no desire to enter and to have a non-human relationship with you. And to demonstrate that, God became human. In human, humanity is the, the word anthropos. But it did not say in John 1 that Jesus, you know, that the word became anthropos. In the Greek, it said the word became sarx, S-A-R-X, which is translated flesh appropriately. And, and so Jesus, the word, became flesh. He became, and, and so to, to, to act like God don't want a human relationship with you is to deny the incarnation in which that word means God becoming a man, becoming a human, okay? Now, God's not a human. I mean, as far as, God, God's not a man, God's not a gender. God's not male. He's not female. John 4 said he's a spirit. But God became human to enter into that human relationship. And that's not something that we check at the door when you walk into a church. God's concerned whether you're fishing or whether you're working on your... I mean, God's involved in every aspect of your life. And, and it's not a Sunday thing. It's not a religious thing. And God's not a spiritual, that you have a spiritual relationship, but you don't have any human relationship with God. That is insane. And that's what the church has tried to sell us, but we need to quit thinking that way because it's totally, totally wrong. 
Now, today I wanted to take just a moment because so many things have happened in the last few weeks that I felt like it was just God prompting me and uh, to, to talk about this. But So anytime that I preach about the goodness of God, the love of God, if I write about it, if I blog about it, whatever that is, if I do that, invariably I always get hit by somebody from out there, not so much in here, but I get hit. And, and, and it's a good question, and I get it. What about Job? So that's what I'm, I'm talking about today. What, you know, what, what about Job? When I talk about the goodness of God and I write about it, then people say, well, what? And they always want to point me back to the book of Job and say, we got you here. And so they look like, the, you know, here's God and he seeks uh, uh, Satan literally onto Job. I mean, you know, Satan didn't know anything about Job. And then here God, you know, points him out and puts a bullseye on him and then turns Satan loose on him. And, 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 and that's to vilify God. And so I've written about it, and, and I, I just want to say this to you, that if there, you know, and I, I can only cover so much in so many Sundays a year, but you can go to my website. My name is not Dale, it's Dell, D-E-L-L. I own the computer company that makes those. <clears throat> Might well claim it, right? So, but you can go to Dell, D-E-L-L, dot net, and, 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 and there you will find archived all kind of short but to the point articles probably about some questions that you or your family or friends that would have one of those articles is what about job another and i only got two articles that are what about and then i got another one what about ananias and sapphira in acts 5 looks like god killed them and that's after grace so how you know how we explain that well there's an article that explains that for you and there's all kind of stuff in there you know, what about people that commit suicide? What happens to them? And there's all kind of stuff in there that you can just search through the, the archives there, and you can probably find something. You can click on it and send it to your friends or family. And so what had happened this past week, uh, Sister uh, Marta, our precious, you know, her husband's in the hospital, Mike, and, and uh, we continue to lift him in prayer. But, uh, but Marta, you know, reposted my blog, uh, from years ago about what about Job and and uh, and and I had had people just had asked me about that and uh, and then uh, the next day she sent me forwarded me an email to whom she had shared it to and I won't go into the details about who but she shared it with a, a person that was raised in Catholic Church and 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 she so she they had questions so she sent the article and asked them to read it well in that article there's a link where people, you know, claim that everything that happens on earth, you know, God's in control. And so they, you know, I got an article on that God is not in control. And that always blesses people to find out he ain't. When your church and your preachers and everybody on Facebook have told you he was, which is insane. If God's, if God's in control, then he's behind all the, the evil. If he's controlling it. And you can go, you can play that, you know, card. He allows it, but it, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's gets games in your head. Um, and so, I, you know, I had I have people to write about. It. You know, one person uh, wrote, and I, I'm going to leave these people, you know, uh, where they're not identified. But uh, she says religious teaching has really screwed with my head. Uh, I, I know what the Bible says, but much learning has made me mad. Uh, uh, when one when one changes denominations like I did in midstream and then tries to reconcile all the differences in teaching, and then you couple that with a lot of studies on my own where I tried to read commentaries, uh, what it resulted in was confusion. 
And she said, I've never given up on my faith in Christ, but I have given up on a lot of strong-held opinions about many different doctrines. Now, she said, I really love to believe this. She's talking about the article on what, what about Job. She said, I really love, I, I'd really love to believe this, Dale. But there's a lot of deep-rooted and conflicting religious teachings in my heart. And I'll give you this. I find it easier to love the God you seem to have found and hard to love the one I was raised to believe in. And there she's, you can tell she's struggling to, to get there. And that's okay. This is from Texas. Uh, uh, he writes, not knowing which story of Job was learned in the Lutheran, Baptist, or Methodist church. In other words, he'd been in all three. All the variations had the same lesson. Suffer as Job suffered. Or you can handle it as much as God allows was the lesson. I always thought any day I could get picked by God to be the next Job. I tried to hide or I tried to do really good so I won't be picked next. Dale's grace message freed my mind and soul to catch up with my, what my spirit already knew. God's grace is a loving, caring, and passionate grace. That's from Texas. Uh, Marta wrote me this week and said, I've read this article a couple of times, and I've also referred it to friends and family, and I just reread it once again, and I am amazed at the wisdom of this commentary. Thank you, Dale Young, for being bold enough to present the truth. Now, whenever I talk about the goodness of God, then people always, well, what about Job? And it looks like that, that you know, God gives Satan permission there to attack him. And, and I just always want to ask people that question that, that would say that or come up with that. I, I want to say, are you a parent uh, or grandparent? Are you a parent or a grandparent? Would, would you give a cruel, vicious enemy one whose desire is to, and his agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy, would you give that kind of a creature, person, whatever, permission to attack your child? No, I didn't think so. Well, why in the world would you accuse God of doing that? Why, why would you accuse God? Of, and, and the answer that you'll get back is, well, because it's in the Bible. It's in the book of Job. Now, is that really what it says in the book of Job? That's not what it says at all. Now, Job is the oldest chronological Old, Co Old Testament. It's prior to the Old Covenant, uh, the, you know, that God made with Moses. But, but Job, being there, is not only is it the oldest chronological book in the Old, Co Old Bible, Old Testament, but it's also the most misunderstood book in, in the Bible. And uh, now, Job lived before the birth of Abraham, but he lived after the Tower of Babel. That kind of puts you in the zone where, where he's living. Uh, he, he does not mention in his writing anything about God's covenant with Abraham. Uh, he doesn't mention anything about Israel or the law of God. He, he does mention Adam, uh, and he makes a, a, a passing reference about the flood. But when, when we read the Bible, if, if you don't read the Bible, and I've tried to teach you guys this, through the lens of Jesus Christ and the grace message, then you're going to come away from the Bible totally confused. Now, the Bible contains the Word of God, but the Bible, some people don't like this, and I can't help you, but the Bible, the written Scriptures, that's not the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus trumps everything, even the 66 books that we call the Bible.
Jesus is the revelation of who God is and how God is. And so any, all those writings, Job had a glimpse, if that, a glimpse of God. And God allowed people in the Bible to write stupid stuff about him from their view and their darkened view of God. Now, one thing that confuses people, the, the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about Job as being sinless, perfect, righteous, all that. And religion portrays Job as a perfect, sinless man, which he was not at all that. Well, why does it say it? Because you've got to understand that, that God is speaking to your potential always. God sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And the, the problem with religion is that it views the Bible in a distorted way that actually glorifies self-effort and diminishes grace. And that's what religion does. And so religion portrays Job as the good guy, and it portrays God as the bad guy. And who sends the devil to him to do his dirty work. God don't actually do it and get his hands bloody, but he's the one that ordered the hit. And that makes God Godfather, not Father God. And I say that a lot. And, uh, and so why, why are so many people confused about Job? Because they only read the first chapter of the book of Job, and they read that, and, and it's, it's like Job 1 and 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz. Uh, I'm glad I'm not from Uz. Where are you from, Uz? <laughs> Whose name was Job, and the man was perfect, upright, one that feared God, and it skewed evil. That's Job 1 and 1. Now, the, the book of Job allows Job to write really stupid comments. One of the most stupid comments that Job ever made was, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That is one of the dumbest comments in the Bible. But God allowed it to be written because a lot of people... And so, and, and, unfortunately, uh, you know, when, when people go through hard times, they make ignorant statements about God. You and I have done the same. We're not different than Job. We've all done exactly what Job did. We have made ignorant, stupid statements, especially when we were going through hard, difficult, painful, confusing times. And out of our mouth comes all these statements. And so, and unfortunately, in those statements that are recorded in the Old Covenant, a lot of times we pay more attention to the words of hurting people than the healing words of Jesus himself. And so God sees everything from his perspective, which is eternity. And so he sees everything through the lens of grace. God's not, uh, Job is not righteous or, or perfect because his behavior is righteous and perfect. Uh, Job is righteous because God says he is. And God knows in the very total end of all things, he will be. He will be. Now, you, you, you got to remember Gideon? Anybody remember this dude? He's cowering down like a coward, hiding in a wine press from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord appears to him in that wine press and calls him a mighty man of valor. He was no mighty man of valor. He was going to become that, but he wasn't that. When God sends prophetic words to you, he's not telling you the news report of where you are today. He's prophesying to you what your real truth about, the truth of who you really are on the inside. And so most of us were told or preached to by preachers that God introduced Job to Satan and that, uh, that God literally dangled Job in front of Satan like a piece of meat in front of a hungry dog. And, and, and that is a terrible portrayal of our Heavenly Father. And, and according to that view, I want you to listen to me, according to that view, there's no difference between God and Satan. The, the, it portrays God and Satan as partners working together. 
Do you hear that? And, and the devil did the stealing and the killing, but God gave him the permission. The devil did the hit on him, but God's the one that called the hit in. God sicked him on him. And, 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 and so, if listen, Satan is called a thief. If a thief has permission to steal, guess what? He's not a thief. Now, now, now it, you know, the God allowed it thing, the God allowed it doctrine that has crept into the church has impugned uh, the name of God and it has impugned the character of God. And, and I've heard statements like this all of my Christian life. Well, I, I got cancer. I, I don't understand it, but, but I know God's got a purpose for allowing it in my life. Praise the Lord. What a stupid statement. What a stupid statement. Uh, statements like that are not only ignorant, but they're blasphemous. Because if, if, listen, if you think God has given Satan permission to attack you and to inflict you with disease of any kind, with pain or suffering, then you don't have many options to resist it because God's behind it. And, and I've also noticed, you know, that, that, that the, the, the same Christians that believe this lie, that God allowed the sickness in their life for a purpose. He's trying to teach them something. You know, he's, we don't understand that, I know, but God allowed it, so, I'm, I'm, you know, God's got a purpose in it. Well, then I notice those same Christians that espouse that doctrine, which is a total lie, they, they run to the doctor and try to get that, whatever, that affliction off of them as quickly as possible. Now, if you believe God's behind it and he's got a purpose in it, what you doing at the doctor's office? Hello. What you at the doctor's office trying to get God's purpose off of you for? Just stay sick and enjoy it and learn all you can. You see how stupid that is? You sat there and say God's allowed it and you stand there trying to get treatment to get it off of you. I'm glad I don't go to that crazy church. I understand with mercy and sympathy because I too at one time believed that lie. How people read the first chapter of Job in a traditional translation of the Bible and they can come to that conclusion. But it's not what it says. So let's read a more accurate original Hebrew language of what God actually says in Job 1 and 8. This is from Young's literal translation. You're welcome. <clears throat> Some of y'all get that while you're eating your hamburger day. It's called Young's literal translation, not this Young, but probably some of my kin folks. And it says in Job 1 and 8, And Jehovah saith unto the adversary, Hast thou set thy heart against my servant Job, because there is none like him in the land, a man perfect and upright, fearing God, and turning aside from evil? Question mark. God asked a question. The Green's literal translation of the Hebrew of the Holy Bible says, And Jehovah said to Satan, Have you set your heart on my servant Job, because there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil? So Satan had set his heart to attack Job. God was just letting Satan know that he knew what he was up to. That's all it is. Well, why didn't God stop the devil then from doing what he 
had set his heart to do. Here, listen carefully. God couldn't. I, I didn't say God didn't have the power to do it. I just said God couldn't. Why couldn't he? Because the authority of the earth had been given over to Satan. Now, Psalm 115 and verse 16 says that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. God gave the earth and its authority to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. Satan now has the keys. Satan had keys. If I give you keys to Grace Point, that means you have, not only you have keys, but those keys represent authority. You can come and go at will. You have authority. So, so Adam had the authority. In his rebellion against God, he gave Satan the, that authority. And that is proven in the temptation of Jesus. When Satan takes Jesus to this high place and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and their splendor. And Satan says to Jesus, all of these are, are mine. And, and what, he, what he says in Luke 4 and 6, all this authority, Satan says to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. That was not some game they was playing. Satan said, I got the authority, you don't. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you this. Jesus said, no, thank you. I'm going to get it all back, but not your way. I'm going to do it Yahweh. <laughs> Come on, somebody. See, th this is why there's so much evil in this earth. I, I, and I know you heard that God is in control of everything, but I'm just telling you, he's not. He's not. He's in charge, but he's not in control. And the Bible says clearly in John chapter 5, listen to this, verse 19. I'm going to read the New International Version. Uh, John 5, 19 says, we know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is why there's so much pain, suffering, sorrow in the earth, because that authority was handed over. God's not in control. If God was in control, there'd be no murders. If God was in control, there'd be no molestations, there'd be no rapes, there'd be no torturing. There'd be none of these things if God was in control. The, the Valdosta Police Department is not in control of Valdosta. That's why they may, unfortunately, may be murders this week. Because they're not in control. They're in charge. But they're not in control. You're not a robot. You have a will that is free to do whatever you choose to do. And, 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 and so that's why that, that's, God couldn't stop what Job, or what Satan had set his heart to do because that authority now was in Satan's hand. And that's why God says to him, in, in Job chapter 1, verse 12, this, this is another verse. This is Young's little translation. They get it confused. So Job 1 and 12, it says, And Jehovah said to the adversary, Lo, all that he has is in thy hand. Only unto him put not forth thy hand, and the adversary goeth out from the presence of Jehovah. So when the Lord says all that is his is in your hand, God wouldn't given that over to him. God wouldn't, in other words, what God is doing is simply stating a painful fact that will, is so true that it will ultimately cost Jesus his life on the cross. Job was already under the dominion of Satan. And so this was demonstrated over and over in the Bible. In Jude chapter 1 verse 9, when, when, I, uh, when Satan is contending with Michael the archangel over the body of Moses, why is he doing that? Because he said, I'm in authority here. I'm in charge. 
So these are some things that you got to keep in mind when you're reading the book of Job. Job did not have the Holy Spirit, not indwelling in him like you do now. Uh, Job did not have a Bible to flip to, no Bible to read. Uh, he, he had only a glimpse of God. Job thought that God was behind all of his suffering and all of his pain and all of his loss. That's why he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Really? Now really, come on now. Does God give and then take away? If God gave you something and then took it away, that would make God a thief. What if I gave you something? What if I gave you a lawnmower? <laughs> and then I come a month later and I'm out there in your, your shed digging it out and taking it with. What are you doing, Pastor Dale? I'm taking this lawnmower back. I thought you gave it to me. Well, I did, but I'm taking it back. You know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Better hire you a lawn man because this is leaving with me. What? That's ridiculous. You, you'd be on the internet and the phone as soon as I could drive out. Can you believe what Pastor Dale did? He gave me a lawnmower. He's such a liar. He didn't give me nothing. And yet we accuse God of the same thing. Uh, does God give parents a child and then turn around when the baby's a year old, two years old, and take it back? Because he needed a flower for the bouquet table of heaven, like I've heard preachers preach at babies' funerals. Because he needed an angel or wanted an angel in heaven. Nobody human that dies will ever be an angel. Stop doing that mess. Stop posting it. Well, heaven got another angel today. Heaven ain't getting another angel. If God wants more angels in heaven, he just burps and there'll be thousands. You're never going to be an angel because you're a higher being than an angel. Paul said, don't you understand? You're going to judge angels. You're going to judge angels. A lower being don't judge a higher being. I thought the Bible said we were made lower than the angels. That's right. It says that. Mistranslation. What it says in the Old Covenant where it says that, it says knowing that we were made a little lower than the angels. The word angels there is italicized. It is not in the original language. And what is there is Elohim, which is God. And it says you were made a little lower than God. But the translators had a spirit of stupid come on them when they were translating that verse. And they got scared and they said that can't be true. It's just too good. So let's change it to make us feel good about it. So we'll rewrite the Bible according to our own whims, and we'll write angels there. And since they did that, everybody quotes a wrong verse. That's why you can't take everything written in a translation and say, that's the Word of God, because that's not the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Calm down, Dale. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> God says his gifts in Romans eleven twenty nine are irrevocable. That means he never takes any gift back. I've, I've heard that verse quoted at kids' funerals. God would never do such as that. He'd never give a child and take it back. It's no wonder that people hate God for all that he's been accused of. Job said in Job 42 and 3, when he finally shut up and all his comforters finally shut up, basically God comes in that chapter and says, now you've talked a long time. Let me talk. 
you said all kind of stuff about me. And now I want to talk. And then I love the way God starts out. God said, can you make a peacock? You ever seen a peacock? He said, Joe, can you make one of them? Make a peacock? What's that got to do with the price of cheese? I'm just asking you, can you make a peacock? No. Well, I'm smarter than you. So you listen to me talk. And God talked a long time. And he asked Job a lot of questions to make Job think. And then Job, when he got through listening to God in Job 42 and 3, Job says, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. You ever uttered what you didn't understand? He said, Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. He said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you, therefore I hate myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Job said, I'd only heard rumors about you. I had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen a glimpse of you. And he said, when I see you as you are, it makes me hate myself because of what I said and what I accused you of. And he, I, I hated that I had a wrong opinion about you, God. And, and, and so the book of Job is not the revelation of who God is. And, the, and I will not allow the book of Job to form my opinion of who, how, who and how God is. Neither should you. I'm not a disciple of Job. Job's not my Messiah. Job is not my Savior. Jesus is. Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end of all debate about who God is. They said to Jesus, show us the father. He said, Da-da, you're looking at him. For when you have seen me, you have seen the father. I've come to manifest the Father. The Father was invisible in the old covenant, just speaking from Mount Sinai with thunder and smoke and lightning and, and all that stuff. And, and, the, and they were scared and said, Moses, don't bring us to this church again. It's too loud. You go out there and talk to him. Come back and tell us what he said. But Jesus came to says, this, I am the Father. I'm Emmanuel. That means God with us. God with us. And, and so Jesus is that revelation. Anything, I've told you this all of my preaching life, anything you think you know about God, any opinion you formed, any thought that you've had in your mind about God that you can't prove emphatically in the life of Jesus, you got to chunk it. I don't care if you got scripture for it, you got to chunk it. Because you don't allow an inferior revelation. To invalidate the superior revelation of God who is Jesus the Christ. The whole revealing of God as Father was one of the most primary assignments that Jesus had. And so what was hidden in the shadows of the Old Testament has been clearly seen now in the life of Jesus in the New Testament. And, and, and so the love of the Father, it is extravagant. It is for everyone. And, and, and I want to tell you this. That, that's why Job said, when I seen you. I hate what I've said. I hate the opinion I had of you. I hate it. And, 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 you know, I sat there. Pastor Johanna sent me a little video. Just I won't get in detail about that. But it was so good. It was just confirming a lot of things that we talked about here the last Wednesday 
a month. And she said, have you ever heard this guy? I said, no. She said, it's a 20-minute video. Uh, she called me yesterday. She said, I'm going to send it to you. Would you watch it? I said, yeah. And so my day went along. Later on uh, the day, I had the house to myself, and I sat there, and I listened to the video. And I didn't tell her. Of course, I responded after I'd watched it, and I told her, I said, I agree totally. And uh, she just said, I want your take on it, what your opinion is. And, and, and this guy was just emphasizing what I've been emphasizing, that death is not the terminus. Death does not stop the love of God. The Bible's clear on it. Now, can't anybody produce you one verse that says death is the end of your ability to, to make a decision? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is thy sting? That aggravates the fire of some people because I guess you just want some people to get what they what deserve or whatever. Do you want what you deserve? Okay, no, okay, I didn't think so. It's called grace. But you ain't got one verse that says that. Only verse I've ever been hit with is, it's appointed unto men dying after death of judgment. It's because you don't know what judgment means. God's judgment is not punitive. It's not punishing. God's not a torturer. He's not a sadistic torturer. If the God that I grew up hearing about, he's more scary than anything Hollywood ever even could think of. Any villain they could ever think of can't even touch the horror of this God who will uh, have a person to be tortured in a body that's an ambestous body that can't be burned up but yet can feel pain forever just because they said no to his son Jesus. That's a God that's ticked off. That's a God that's sadistic. That's a God that's angry and punitive and retributive. And that my head had never been able to merge those two visions of God who is love. His mercy is everlasting, not up to the grave. So, but I sat there after I watched that video. I'm wandering down a trail. And I was so, I was sitting there by myself, had the house to myself. I watched the video. And I just, when I stopped it, and I said, Father, I can't believe it took me 60 years, 60 years to see you like this. This has been a long journey, but I am so thankful. And I had tears running down my cheek that I have seen you as you are. See, the Bible says every eye shall see him, and they shall see him as he is. When do you think that's going to occur? The Bible is explicitly clear that Jesus went and preached to those who had died. Those that had been rebellious. That's in 1 Peter chapter 3 and chapter 4 if you want to check it out. To those who had been disobedient in the days of Noah. And had rebelled and disobedient. And just you know, said to hell with Noah and the preaching and all. And they died in the flood. And yet Jesus goes into that place, whatever that place was. And he preaches. He evangelizes them. And he emptied that place out. You know why? Because they saw him as he is, not as he was, not as religion says he is. They saw him in the trueness. What is the trueness? Absolute, perfect love. See how quiet it is? Just to imagine. And you, we got up here and throwed up a verse that he, he does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or imagine or think. And they sung it. So do you believe that verse? God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask that you could even think or imagine. And then you're going to sit there and quit. I don't know. God will never give up on his kids. 
I told you that's why that movie, The Shack, brought it into such pointed reality. Which, okay, you got three kids, four kids, what, it don't matter. You know, pick which one's going to go to hell and which three's going to make it to heaven. You pick. Ask the parent, what you pick. Imagine that horrible decision you would have as a, as a mom or dad. You, okay, you pick which one of your kids due to their rebellion, you, gonna, you know, it's going to go to hell. Which, could you pick? I mean, deep, 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 deep down. I know you get aggravated with your kids and your grown kids, and you all, some of you got little ones, you're like, well, I can't wait to get grown. We want, you know, things to be better. <laughs> oh, hang in there. <laughs> I'd like to prophesy better to you, but just because they're grown don't mean you ain't got no troubles. It just means them troubles are going to be bigger and badder and cost you more. Okay? But you're still going to love them. Still going to love them. And there's times your flesh wants to give up, but deep down, I ain't really, never, I, I, you know, my deal is, I have never actually met another human as a parent that ever just totally, in totality, for real and no joking, gave up forever on their kids. No matter how addicted they were, how strung out they were, how much money it cost them, I mean, I had never, they just, they just never give up. I had a precious couple here that Wednesday night, and they're from Douglas, and they come here, they drive all the way from Douglas to be with us uh, often. And uh, because of this message, and and he has a son that struggles with some with some situations and has for many years. Has overdosed 10, 15 times that they know of. And the other day, he was telling me standing here with after that Wednesday night, and want to talk to him in a few minutes. And he said, Pastor, you know, I had uh, people tell me, you know, uh, Christian friends of his in his city. You know, said, you know, you got to show tough love, brother. Tough love. Tough love. He said, you know, I'm sick of hearing that. He said, so I asked both of them that were telling me that. Where's the verse on tough love in the Bible? He said, I'm still waiting. Because they ain't one. And they ain't got one. I remember my oldest son was going through one of the most difficult times of his life. and Going through a divorce. And I had let him move into my prayer cabin where we used to live. He was living in there. You know, had moved, he moved out of his house, so had to live somewhere. So I let him live in my prayer cabin. I had church folk mad because I, I let my own son live in my prayer cabin. Even so much that the pastor I turned my church over to wanted me to meet with him, and that's what he wanted to share with me. I about cussed. I'm like, what the hell business is it theirs? Yeah. Well, I mean, what, yeah, what, what the hell business is it theirs? I let, I let, well, he could be down there doing wrong. Well, what you think I'm doing down there peeking through the glass window at the prayer cabinet and see what he's doing in there? He's a grown man. Besides, it's on my land. My creek. I decide who lives in it. <laughs> had another lady call my wife said you know I'd be upset with y'all if I know y'all wasn't being hard on him wasn't that what the words hard on him want y'all be hard on him how stupid religion makes people being hard on people punitive punishing retributive none of those things ever bring people to repentance, to change the way they think. The goodness of God, which is the grace of God, 
is what leads men gently to a place in their life where they will repent. And the word repent means metanoia, to think differently. Because they think differently about themselves because they have first time ever thought differently about who God is and how God is. And he's not somebody sick and Satan on Job. That's not who he's ever been. Don't point me to Job. If you're depressed, don't read Job. Read John. You got to be strong enough to read Job. Okay? <laughs> People always ask, well, what book in the Bible, brother? I just got, you know, uh, turned on to the God. What, what book should I read in all the Bible? I always answer the book of John. Go to John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with, face to face, with God. And the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and entered into a human relationship with humans. And the Word will forever be human. And we shall ever be with Him and in Him. Amen? Stand with me. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Well, you don't get this everywhere, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I do encourage you. I wish I could have, I, I didn't copy that last night. This, this family they, uh, that Marta sent this article to, what about Job? One of the, her statements was, and I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the revelation of God's grace and goodness. She said, she told Marta, she, I don't know if she probably didn't know Marta was going to forward it to me. Wasn't nothing, you know, to hide from it. And, and Marta knew it would encourage me, which it did. She just said that, she said, uh, she wrote Marta back and she said, her, she calls her husband Mr. P. She said, me and Mr. P uh, read the article that you sent us about Job. And, uh, and we also, she said, read the article that was, the, the link was in there about God's not in control. And she said, and we also shared it with our children, which are grown, and we discussed it with them. She said, I was raised in a Catholic church. I went to Catholic school. She said, I wish the nuns that taught me the Bible and the priest would have been more like your pastor and had told me, about God. She said, I was such a rebellious little Catholic girl. She said, I would just get up and leave because they couldn't hold my attention in their teaching, the nuns, and I would just walk outside. And they would have to come get me and give me detention. And uh, you know, something that you, uh, and she said, but, but she said, it's been a long, long journey. And she's just now breaking through to the light of the love of God that's in Christ in her life. And uh, her daughter is in her internship to be a veterinarian at one of those big uh, ranches down in Florida, probably at Ocala area, I assume. And, uh, but how this message is reached right into there. Mike was sharing me. He said, told me what I go to when we shook hands. He said, man, your message got in in Birmingham, Alabama this week. As he shared those messages. He carries it everywhere. And I just say to you, there's a lot of, we, you know, it, there's a lot more that goes on than what happens here just in this local, inside this building on a Sunday morning. 
And I'd also say at this opportunity that I get so many, you know, uh, at times, and sometimes it's quiet, but I get people to write or email me or they come through Messenger on Facebook or whatever, and they tell what a blessing this is, even in other countries. I read the thing the other day from the man that stopped and got books and lives in Ecuador, wherever that was. But for those that may be listening to this, just support us financially. Help us to be able to keep this message going like that. Because it costs. Ain't none of that stuff free. You know, it costs to have these media, these, these, these things that we do. And so just prayerfully consider helping us. You may not come here, but you're feeding from here. This is where you're reaching for, for, for nourishment. And I say, if God can move on you like that, just help us. You know, you can go online and do it. You can help us. You might say, well, it shouldn't well no, we, we, you know, we need the help. We, we, we need that support so we're able to do those things. I'm so excited about feeling them going back in again to prisons again. He got such a heart for that. And, and uh, it's just such a blessing. And there again, you're carrying gifts in there. And even the guys that don't come to the meeting, because it's their free choice. Hey, I ain't going to hear no preaching. But they still go to their sales and say, here's just some cookies. Here's some cookies. And, uh, and, and just try to, you know what they're trying to do? Just show the love of God. That's it. You can do that with cookies. Yeah. Basically chocolate chip. I mean, you can't see the love of God in a chocolate chip. <laughs> Chips ahoy. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we're in you and you're in us and that's our hope of absolute glory. We thank you that your love never ends. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not life, not death, not peril, not trouble, not disease, not sickness, not difficulty. Nothing on the earth, under the earth, or in the earth can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that every eye shall see you. And when they see you as you are, every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow and say that, yes, you are the Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of glory. And I thank you for that promise. I thank you that your heart is not any should perish, that all should come to repentance. I thank you for your heart for us and for all this world, for all the cosmos. You died and took away the sin of the world that you might bring this world to you. I bless you for being the Savior of the world, which is what you're called and is what you are. We pray that and give glory for that in Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, Yahweh. In the name of the Son, Yeshua HaMashiach. In the name of Ruach, the wind, the breath, the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Papa for loving us, for allowing us to enter into your triuneness and into the relationship that you have as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we are called and included in that relationship. Thank you, Papa. Thank you for letting my eyes see you and to see you more clearly than I ever have in all my life. Help me to share that with people. And help them not see you as some sadistic torturer, but to see you as divine, pure love that will never give up, 
that will pursue his children always and forever. I bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. If you need prayer for any reason, we'll be down here if you want prayer. God bless you.